following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, Christian Life Austin, this is Pastor Rex. One more time coming to you into your homes, and we thank you. You know, we haven't stopped having church. We've just moved church from here to your house. And wherever you are and whatever platform you're watching on tonight, we thank you for joining in. I know there's watch parties going on all around our city. We thank you for that. And thank you for honoring God even on Wednesday night. Our Wednesday nights have always been just so beautiful to us. We've never stopped our Wednesday night program and our services here and the house is always full and I can't wait to get back together with you. Hey, June looks good for us. It really, really does. The governor's kind of helping us with all his talk and the 50% thing and we're excited about that. So here we are tonight bringing you a word. We are, we are in a series that is about prayer. We talked about legendary prayer on the first night that was three weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, we talked about dreaming big. And then last week, we talked about praying hard, about a widow who didn't have a lot of opportunity to get her, her situation taken care of because an unjust judge that neither feared God nor cared for man had her case. But she got what she needed. She got avenged of her adversaries. And so tonight, we're going to talk about thinking long. We're going to complete this series on prayer with a, a sermon called Thinking Long. There's a, there's a sign, <laughs> there's a sign down here on the Royals the other day, Royals Mexican food place on 5th Street that said, this too shall pass. Then it said, it may pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass. And I know some of you are saying, when's this going to all be over? But I promise you, we're getting close to it being over. So hang in there. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said in 8 and 9, We're troubled, but not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Then he wrote in Galatians chapter number 6 and verse 9, he said, Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you Faint not. In Fizingzo Island in, in Sweden, there is a mysterious forest of oak trees. Mysterious because oak trees aren't indigenous. They're not native. They're not original to that island. So the origin was unknown for more than a century. Then in 1980, the Swedish Navy received a letter from the forestry department of that, of that island stating that their requested ship lumber was ready. The Navy didn't even know it had ordered any lumber because it was 151 years ago. And after a little research, it was discovered that in 1829, the Swedish Parliament, recognizing that it takes oak trees 100 to 150 years to mature, and anticipating a shortage of lumber at the turn of the 21st century, ordered that 20,000 oak trees be planted on Visingso and protected for the Navy. That is, my friend, thinking long, <laughs> 151 years. And for the record, back in 1829, the lone objector was a bishop of strangeness. He didn't doubt that there would still be wars to fight at the end of the 20th century, but he anticipated that ships might be built of other material, maybe greater material by then than oak. See, one dimension of thinking long is thinking different. And prayer is the key to both thinking long and thinking different. Prayer doesn't just change circumstances. More importantly, 
Prayer changes us. And it doesn't always calm the storm, but it calms the soul in the storm. It doesn't just alter external realities, but prayer alters internal realities so that we see with spiritual eyes, it gives us peripheral vision, it takes away our nearsightedness, and lets us see beyond our circumstances, beyond ourself, and beyond time. It's not enough to dream big. It's not enough to pray hard. You have to think long. And if you don't, you'll experience a high degree of discouragement. You know why? Because we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year. However, we tend to underestimate what we can accomplish in a decade. The bigger the vision, the harder you have to pray, and the longer you will have to think. But if you keep circling like Honey did back in night number one of this prayer series, it'll come to pass in God's time. I'm preaching, speaking of Daniel tonight. Yeah, that Daniel, the prophet, the Renaissance man, the lion den survivor, the prayer warrior, the one we try to copy our fast after when, when some of us are trying to lose weight. Here's a side note. Billy Graham said that Daniel is the ABCs of biblical prophecy, and the book of Revelation is the XYZ of prophecies. And Daniel's prediction were written almost 600 years before Christ, and they were fulfilled precisely. It's amazing that this happened, but he prophesied five kingdoms that would come, and they actually came to pass. He said the Babylon, the Babylonian kingdom would, would last, would come, and he was a member of that. He was a captive of the Babylonians. From 626 to 539 they ruled B.C. Then the Medes and the Persians came and overthrew the Babylonians. And from 539 to 330 B.C. they ruled. And then the young man from Greece, Alexander the Great, young man, conquered all the known world and wept one day because there was no more worlds to conquer. And he gave us men like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and the Greek New Testament, which we're still grateful for. And they ruled till 63 B.C. Then the Romans came, and they never were replaced by a man-made kingdom. The Romans were, and it really disintegrated from within. It was a spiritual and moral decay, and not another country coming in and taking their kingdom away. But the fifth kingdom, the fifth kingdom was the kingdom of God. And that kingdom will never be destroyed. In fact, Daniel wrote in the second chapter that there was an uncut by human hand stone hewn out of a mountain and it came down and crushed the head, the breastplate, the belly and the thighs and the legs of the other kingdoms. And it all went to powder. And then a summer wind blew and drew it, blew it all away. And that stone that was coming out of the mountain grew like a mountain and filled all the earth with its glory. And folks, I'm preaching about that mountain here tonight. That mountain is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And of His kingdom there will be no end. So tonight I'm going to read from the book of Daniel. Daniel is in a prayer time and he's in a tough time because he's trying to get through to God. He's trying to get a prayer through to God. And the angel Gabriel shows up to him in verse, chapter, verse uh, 12 of chapter 10. And he said, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, who is the warring angel, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. 
Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. I think that's pretty cool. Angel talking to a prophet, prophet talking to an angel. How cool is that? Having a conversation with your guardian angel. That's a wow factor in that. Might be a revealing conversation when we get to heaven. But Daniel got, the, got a short conversation on this side of the eternal world, the glory world. For some of us, if we sit down with our, our angel in heaven one day, our guardian angel, <laughs> we may have a very long one because we probably kept him pretty busy. He probably got a lot to say to us. But I wonder if Daniel talked a little side conversation to this angel, Gabriel, the word angel from heaven. I wonder if he talked about a lion's den. I wonder if he talked about that night that he spent with the lions. But the angel started his conversation with him with do not be afraid. That must be angelic protocol. The angel reveals the realities of the spiritual realm. Not seen anywhere else in scripture like that. We realize that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's where our struggles are. And the angel reveals three things. He reveals the importance of praying through that. you got to get through it. He reveals that spiritual warfare is being waged beyond our consciousness. There's a warfare out there. And he reveals the way prayers are processed. We have to understand that Daniel's prayer was heard before the words passed from his mouth. But it wasn't until 21 days that he experienced a breakthrough simply because of spiritual oppression. An evil spirit known as the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted the call for angelic backup until the 21st day. So here I go again. I'm going to ask that counterfactual question. What if Daniel had quit praying through on the 20th day? But as a pastor, I have discovered some things I've discovered some things about persistent people and people that learn how to pray long. I've discovered, number one, that persistence does not demand instant answers. Persistent people don't have to have the answer right now. Pray at 7.05, the answer comes at 7.06. And I know there's times that that happens, but persistent people don't have to have instant answers. Just like the Israelites who circled Jericho 13 times in seven days they went around those walls. Or Elijah praying for rain seven times and then the cloud the size of a man's hand. Really? But they don't have to have instant answers. If you stop praying through before the breakthrough, then you forfeit the miracle. Let me give you some Daniel delights. Let me talk about Daniel a little. Daniel ranks as one of the most brilliant minds in the ancient world. Probably wasn't over 18, 19 years old when he was taken into Babylonian captivity. He was a Renaissance man 2,000 years before the Renaissance. And with an unusual aptitude for both philosophy and science, he could explain riddles, solve problems unlike anyone in his generation. He, no one else could dream or interpret dreams like Daniel. He was fabulous. But what set him apart wasn't his IQ. It was his PQ. It was his persistent quality. He had persistence. The second thing I've learned about persistent people is not only they don't have to have instant answers, they never consider quitting. Never consider quitting. Quitting is murdering your ability. It's stopping what God has for you in your life. Daniel prayed three times a day. He circled, he prayed circles around the greatest superpower on earth. And because he got down on his knees, 
He brought kings and kingdoms to their knees when he prayed. He didn't pray just when he had a bad day. He prayed every day. He didn't just dial 911 prayers when he was in the lion's den. Prayer was his rhythm. Prayer was his routine. Prayer was life. And life was prayer. Oh, I'm sure that Daniel prayed maybe with greater intensity before the showdown with that den full of lions. But that intensity was bypassed by his persistency. Everything he approached was with prayer, challenges, situations, opportunities, every person. And that prayerful posture led him to one of the most unlikely rises of power in political history. How does a prisoner of war, folks, how does a prisoner of war become prime minister of a country that took him captive in the first place? The answer, God, only God. That's how it works. God can put you on an elevator, on an escalator, and let you go higher than you ever dreamed in the middle of people that don't even like you, that don't even want to see you get promoted. And I'm preaching to somebody here right now, if Daniel can come from a prisoner to a, to a man that led a country, a prime minister, he showed us that anybody can be elevated when they put God first in their life. His ascendance defies political science. But it defines the power of prayer circles. It defines the power of prayer and the power of God in our life. See, prayer invites God into the equation. And when He's invited into the equation, all bets are off. It doesn't matter where, what locker room, what boardroom, what classroom. It doesn't matter whether you practice law, medicine, or music. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do. Listen to me. If you stop and you drop and you pray... If you stop and you drop and you pray, you never know where you'll go. You never know what you'll do. And you'll never know who you will meet. There is a, there's a painting in the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. It's a Flemish artist named Sir Peter Paul Rubens. He got both of great men's names in the Bible. It's a larger-than-life portrait of Daniel in the lion's den. And Daniel in this picture doesn't really have a shirt on, and he's ripped. I mean, he's ripped to the point of steroid suspicion. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe that was an accurate depiction. Maybe Daniel was one of those ripped, athletic-looking men. But far greater than his external physique was his internal fortitude. His persistent quotient was unparalleled. Evidenced by his habit of getting on his knees three times a day and praying through an open window toward Jerusalem. I imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the boys that came out of the fire furnace, came by from time to time and said, Daniel, you want to go with us today? We got, got some great games we're going to play. We're going to go fishing today. We're going to do this today. And Daniel said, no, boys, I've got to pray this morning. Well, how about having lunch with us today? Well, I, I pray my second time around lunch. Well, how about dinner tonight? Well, if y'all wait till about 5.30, quarter to 6, I can pray because I pray at, at 6, 12, and 5. I pray three times a day. And even when King Darius outlawed prayer, Daniel continued to stop and to drop and to pray three times a day. Few people prayed with more consistency or intensity. And I know we all talk about Daniel's fast. We talk about Daniel eating the pulse and 
looking more fair after many days than the people that ate the king's meat. I know that. But I also understand something, that Daniel had a prayer life. Daniel had a prayer life that was second to none. And what makes his persistence in prayer so remarkable? I'm fixing to tell you why. He knew his dream of rebuilding Jerusalem would not be fulfilled during his lifetime. He knew that. It wouldn't happen. He prayed toward a city he knew he would never see with his natural eye, physical eye again. But he saw it with his spiritual eyes. And Daniel prophesied something that would take 70 years or what amounted to our 70 years. It is possible for man to dream. Is it possible continuously for 70 years? I don't know about that. But if I make it to 80, I've dreamed for 70. <clears throat> because when I was 10 years old on the back porch of an oil field house in Sundown, Texas, population 895, counting all dogs and cats and cows, I asked God for a voice to preach this gospel at 10 years of age. And I've done it now for the last 50 because I, I, I asked God to let it happen. And God put me in the ministry at the age of 20. Daniel did. You know why Daniel did? Why he continued 70 years? Because he never quit dreaming big. He never stopped praying hard. And he never stopped thinking long. See, prophets do this. He wasn't just looking beyond captivity. He was looking even, watch this now, to the first and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Daniel prayed millennial prayers, which meant he prayed prayers thousands of years in the future. His prayer and prophecies were the seeds of our salvation. We have faith because of the prayers that that man prayed and what he saw 600 B.C., We'll reap those blessings until Jesus returns. Daniel was impressive. He really was. He knew his prayers would not be answered for 70 years, yet he prayed with the same urgency every day. Procrastinators in that day would have been tempted to wait until the last week of week of year 69, and then they'd start praying, but not Daniel. You've got to pray like it's never going to happen. And you've got to believe it's going to happen tomorrow. You've got to pray with everything in your heart and believe that God is hearing your prayer no matter how long it takes. He had the ability to pray with urgency about things that were not urgent. And he knew he would never see those things, but he kept praying for them. So not only do persistent people not have to have instant answers, not only do they never quit, but persistent people do not make excuses. They're not excuse-making people. Drawing prayer circles bring questions. Does God hear me? Does God care? Sometimes silence is deafening. We circle the cancer. We circle the children. We circle the dream. Doesn't seem like it makes a difference. So what do we do? My advice is the next day you stop, you drop, and you pray again. You keep circling. And you circle for seven years if you have to. Because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Where else are you going to turn? What other options do you have? It's God or this. I choose God. So you either pray through or you quit. Really? Pray through, quit. Pray through, quit. I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray through this situation. I will never quit because I understand our culture overvalues 15 minutes of fame. But it undervalues lifelong faithfulness. And when you get up every day and when you stop, drop, and pray, and you understand that I may not see this, 
That's not having doubt. That's just saying, I may not see this in my generation. I may not see it. David never saw the temple being built in his, in his lifetime. His son Solomon built that temple, but David prepared like he was going to build it. Sometimes you have to pray. You have to pray prayers that are so far in advance that it blesses you on this end and understanding that you can pray that and see that in your eyes and see that in your future. It makes you want to pray like never before. I see this church. I see what this church will be in years to come. This church will be an unconquerable force. I believe this church will be one of the strongest churches in all of America before the Lord Jesus comes back. It'll be still Bible believing. It'll be still spirit filled. It'll still be spirit led and spirit directed. And people will still be getting water baptized and people will still be healed and people will still be delivered. I see it. Will I get there? I don't know, but I see it. It's going to happen. It will happen in our future. So every day I stop and I drop and I pray and I never undervalue lifetime faithfulness because God is with us. Could we have it backwards? Sometimes our greatest successes often come on the heels of our greatest failures. Thus our greatest answers often come on the heels of our longest and most boring prayers. Really. Because we've said, God, I've prayed about this for so long. But if you pray long, boring prayers, your life will be anything but boring. I promise that. Your life will turn into a spiritual adventure it was meant to be. You won't always arrive where you want to go, but it'll get you through. So persistent people don't have to have instant answers because they never quit and they never make an excuse. They're going to keep praying. I want to talk about physical posture is an important part of prayer. It's like prayer within a prayer. Posture is to prayer what tone is to communication. You know, I don't like to text like I like to talk. And I text. And I, I, sometimes I tweet. But I like people to hear my tones of my voice. I used to listen to a pastor preach, and I never liked his preaching when I read it. But when I started hearing him and saw his voice tones, I realized that the man had a, had a compassion for people. And even though he preached against sin real hard, he had a compassion for people. And so, what I'm talking about is posture is to prayer, what tone is to communication. If words are what you say, then posture is how you say it. And there's a reason why Scripture prescribes a wide variety of postures like kneeling, you kneel to pray. Like Daniel was told to stand before God. Like falling prostrate on your face. Like laying before the Lord. Like lifting your hands in His presence. Like the laying on of hands of people like the anointing of oil, physical posture help posture our hearts and our minds. Raising your hand symbolizes your surrender to God. And when you raise a clenched fist to God, it shows you love His victory. It's a victory fist of saying, way to go, God. It's all posture. When one drops to their knees, we demonstrate our dependence on the Lord. See, the Israelites had seven terms of how to praise Him. I won't go into all of it, but there were two that were very effective one was called Yada, Y-A-D-A-H, and the other was Toda, T-O-W-D-A-H. And Yada was lifting your hands in praise like this. In other words, I give you my praise. Surrender, I give you my praise. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to praise you. And when you praise him, you understand that he inhabits the praise of his people. 
And so what you do, you turn your hands then this way in a toda position. And God starts filling your heart and your life and your hands with his blessing. And when that blessing comes, you put them in your pocket, you put them in your heart, you put them in your mind, and you praise him some more. And he's got more to give you. So here's what I'm telling you. Posture is understanding how to touch the throne of God. Don't stop being in a good posture. Nothing magical about all this stuff. But there's something very biblical about it. And if there's something biblical about it, then there's something mystical about it. God honors that. When we practice posture ordained in the Word, we're thinking long and appreciating the timeless traditions that connect us to our spiritual ancestors. What goes around, folks, comes around. You know, what is vogue now will eventually be out of vogue. And what is out of vogue now will be in vogue later. You know, we did the last three weeks, we've done old songs here, and people in this church have just been absolutely ecstatic about the old songs, singing the old hymns. But give it time. Things and tradition have a way of circling. They'll be, that, that, those old songs will be cutting edge again. You let somebody like Kanye West write an old hymn, and everybody will start singing hymns again. <laughs> but one thing we know for sure, Bible traditions never go out of style. The Word is still relevant now. Big prayers still move a big God. And prayer is always in vogue. It never goes out of vogue. So no instant answers, no quit, no excuses. And the last thing I will preach tonight is persistence is the key to greatness with God. When you draw prayer circles, it's a lot like climbing a mountain. With each prayer, you go a just a little higher in the elevation, the change. And with each prayer, you're one step closer to the answer. And the harder the climb, the sweeter the summit. The same is true with prayer. The more you have to pray, the more satisfied it is spiritually. And often the more glory God gets. Too often we approach prayer in an ASAP fashion, as soon as possible, God. But prayer must become a lifestyle. As soon as possible prayers have been vogue but we need a paradigm shift. We need to pray until. We need to keep praying until God receives all the glory. No more looking past the, for the path of least resistance, but a path of the greatest glory. When Honey prayed a prayer that saved a whole generation and brought rain, he wasn't satisfied with the sprinkle and the torrential downpour. He prayed three different prayers. He prayed for the rain of your favor, blessing, and graciousness. Honey drew a circle in the sand then he drew a circle inside that circle and a circle inside that circle. And he got what he wanted. What I'm telling you is that you have to dream big. You have to pray hard, but you got to think long term. God will answer your prayers. He said, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it shall be open. That's the kind of God I am. So I'm going to keep giving him praise. I'm going to receive. I'm going to bow down. I'm going to submit myself. I'm going to be a prayer man till the day that he calls me home. Let me show you what, what persistence looks like here. Let me show you a little bit of persistence. I read about a Baptist evangelist several years ago that had two bird dogs. They were incredible dogs, and they were champion dogs, and he, he loved to bird hunt, and so he'd take them out. And he kept them in his basement. He kept them inside. And one day they was in the backyard, and a family moved down, about three houses down, a family moved into the neighborhood. And he heard a dog barking down there in the backyard, and he realized that that family had a dog. And so 
about three days later, evidently the wind got just right and that dog smelt the dogs in his yard, the bird dogs. And that dog got out of its fence, got under the fence and came running down the alley and made a hole and dug through the fence and came in the backyard and started challenging those bird dogs. The dog was a bulldog. He was a bulldog. And he was a full-grown bulldog. And the, and the man said, the preacher said, you know, I, I thought about taking my dogs inside, but I realized, you know, that dog needs to be taught a lesson. So I'm going to teach that dog a lesson. So he turned those dogs loose on that bulldog and they wore him out. They bit his ear. They cut his lip. They sent him home bleeding. He went down, yipping down the alley, back to his house. And the man said, he'll never be back. Wrong. The next day, same time, day two. The dog came back. The bird dogs did a second round on him like they did the first round. Beat him up, cut him up, bit him hard, sent him home, yelping and hollering and hurting. Third day, same time, same station, round three. He did it the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, the tenth, the eleventh, the twelfth, the thirteenth day. The dog came at the same time every day and fought those bird dogs. Got whipped 13 rounds. And he went home the 13th day, and the pastor said, the evangelist said, I, I know, I, in my mind, I saw him down there on his porch licking his wounds saying, tomorrow's coming. <laughs> I'm coming back tomorrow. I will be back tomorrow. This is persistence. And he said, the next day, the 14th day, I heard him yelping, coming down the alley to tangle with my dogs again. And said, when my dogs heard him coming, they started trembling. Like, hey, Dad, don't make us fight that dog again. We don't want to fight him. We're done with fighting. It's over for us. And he said, I opened the door, and they ran into the basement and said they were trembling like it was 32 degrees. If like they were cold dogs. They could, not, they could not be any more fearful. And that bulldog was out there in the yard, didn't have anybody to conquer, no dog to fight. And he went around the yard. And you know what I mean, he marked, he marked his territory. And he left, and he never came back. And the preacher said this. He said, if that dog had to come a hundred times to do what he did on the 14th trip, he'd have come a hundred times. He was that kind of persistent. That's what persistence looks like. Hey, why don't you show the enemy? Why don't you show the devil his business and say, you know what? I know there's a God. I know He answers prayer. I know He hears prayer. I know He loves me, and I'm going to pray to Him, and I'll be here tomorrow. I'll be here the next day. I'll be here the next day, and I will stay here until victory comes in my life. You know, legendary prayers. Legendary prayers dream big. They pray hard, but they think long. And they're not ASAP prayers. They're prayers that say, whatever I need to do, I will stay here until you bless me. Thank you for listening tonight. Thank you for understanding that I love dogs and I like to preach about dogs. And I love you. And we'll see you Sunday. Sunday's Memorial Day weekend. We're excited about it. I'll be ministering on Sunday. Love you tons. Love the fire out of you. Everybody say, think long, think long, say, think long, say, think long. We're going to pray hard. We're going to dream big. We're going to be legendary prayer warriors, Pastor. I love you. Have a great night. God bless you is my prayer.